When watching a duck from water to wing, whose feathers catch rays iridescent, what can I be except present? When hearing its rhythm splashes and quacks, no stranger sounds than required, what can I be but inspired? Hey everyone, welcome back to Solocene. This is the seventh episode in our internet semester, and this week we're going to be talking about TikTok, internet art, and Solocene memes. I really liked that poem, Aaron. You read it to me last night or this morning, and I just loved it. Precisely about an hour and a half ago, so I'm a little bit worried that you think it was yesterday. But yeah, I wrote it while I was looking at a picture of a duck and thinking about ducks. So maybe not the most Solocene way of writing it, but (laughs) that's the way it goes. I was just trying to get across some image of mindfulness, being high on life. It's something I've had people, uh, I had someone say that this week. And I thought kind of like, I'm, I think I would describe, like people would describe me maybe as high on life, but I don't like how it's always kind of contextualized in drug terms. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, just say, just say happy, like fundamentally like happy, joyous, content Mm. even. So much content, but I actually am somewhat content. Yes. For anyone watching on YouTube, you may notice Aaron now has blonde hair. I just wanted to put that out there as a Easter egg. If you choose to watch, you get these fun updates about our appearances. Yeah, it's my eat, pray, love moment. Yeah. Also, just going back to the poem, when I said, like, for the duck, no stranger sounds than required. Because the thing is, ducks make weird sounds. Like, that's something. <laughs> but there is a certain... I mean, it's it's funny because... It, I mean, there is, like, I suppose, a kind of, like, incongruous element when you're at a really peaceful lake and you just hear the most throaty <laughs> quack ever and you're like what is that or like they're, they're never really graceful when they're kind of splashing in and out of the water which was the moment i was i was writing about but even so I, I think there is a harmony to it where it's like they're from that ecosystem they're from that landscape and so they fit in visually and also like the audio like even mm. sounds in nature that are overbearing you think about like a rooster or a duck or something it fits it makes sense and i think it's that word harmony is maybe relevant for today's episode, one third of which at least is the takedown of TikTok. Mm. That's kind of what we're... And so on the subject of sounds of nature and also of an app, which at least at one point used to be primarily musical, um, I was reminded also of like the Bo Burnham bit, skit, song from the Inside special that was on Netflix, where he basically concluded like, sometimes people just should be quiet. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that sounds a little bit ironic because we have a podcast, but you know what I'm talking about? It's like sometimes we should all just be quiet <laughs> and let the ducks do the screeching. It's true. Yeah, I agree with that. I forgot about the Bo Burnham special. I feel like that's an interesting thing we should talk about maybe, given that it's the internet semester and it was a very internet yeah. heavy special. But do you remember that part though where he was just like, why can't everybody just shut up? <laughs> His words, not mine. His words. It's a good point. I was had a picnic a couple days ago and we were reading poems and I read one and they were like, well, why do you like that over the other ones? Because we each like picked a poem out of the book. And I said, because I feel like I like when poets compare humans to nature, because if you compare a human to something man-made, it's kind of less reverent towards the person, like if it's supposed to be a love poem. But if you're comparing them to nature then like you're comparing them to something as close to perfect as possible. 
they're like, well, don't you think some things in nature aren't perfect? And we were discussing like ugly flowers or birds Mm. that smell like poop and stuff. And it's like, but at the end of the day, even if it's a bird that smells like poop or a flower that's like objectively quite ugly based on our standards, it's still just wild that it exists and has evolved to be like attract pollinators or evolve to stop predators from coming close. And I just feel like your poem and nature in general is such a juxtaposition to the internet and content on there, which I feel like we treat as if it's perfect and almost natural, but it's like, it's not natural. It's like, (laughs) we don't need to capture these moments. There is something to the publication of things on the internet that makes it feel yeah, that makes it feel like it's a living thing or that kind of validates its existence to a weird extent. I'm thinking even about, like, let's say when we record this podcast, or let's say when we started. It's like we record an episode, which is just to our hard drive as an MP3 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when you, when we were published on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's like, look at this. Mm-hmm. We made it. It's breathing now. There's yeah. something about that that's, that's quite... I don't think that's really that bad but i do think that's something to to note yeah yeah like i don't think about it very often but then you do kind of treat it as if it's inevitable if it's just always existed and it just has a life of its own like even if we all stopped using it it would go on but that's not true we are the ones who power its existence maybe trying to keep that in mind a bit more unlike the duck the duck just is yeah first question of today is something about how the solo scene internet won't be devaluing art to the extent that the current internet does into that dreaded famous term of content. Content. Yes. So the internet is very postmodern. I feel like it's post postmodern is what I was thinking in that it's... I would say three posts. Yeah. Like Actually, it, I don't know. There's a lot of posts and it's all postmodern in that it Post takes... Alone. <laughs> posting. Yeah. in that it often like nothing's original on the internet despite it often being packaged as original and i was reading an eckhart tolle book for the first time and i was like why is this man presenting all these ideas as if they're his own when they're just genuinely ancient ideas of mindfulness and being aware so what I'm saying with that is that it's not exactly new. Like it's been happening for hundreds of years. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah. People like repackaging ideas and presenting them as their own. But on the internet, it feels a hundred times quicker in that it's not just ideas, but it's literal visuals and ways we move and ways we speak. It's just you can copy and paste a TikTok format and you literally don't even have to say the words. You can just lip sync or... You can copy and paste an article, change a couple words, and then publish it as your own. Right. All kind of legitimately on the internet. Like no one, it's not illegal in that if you claim to be parodying or claim to be like commenting or critiquing, you can use whatever you want. I didn't even think about that. So you're saying a lot of the current devaluation comes from the repetition and the YouTube slash TikTok videos of some guy just with a disembodied head looking at you while the the original video plays in the background yeah like, like reaction videos stuff reacting like that. to guns and roses album from the 80s must see mm-hmm. the thumbnail is like a bunch of kids throwing themselves off the couch or something like that <laughs> you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking it's about it's a weird yeah. genre i've never i've never watched 
one of those videos but i always see them and i'm like who mm. is watching and why are they watching maybe that can be a question for next week actually reaction videos yeah reaction videos next week so i think that was like the first thing that came to my mind and how art is devalued and that you can't just consume it it's always through someone else like we talk about also mm. people playing video games and you kind of consume the video game through these walkthroughs and stuff or yeah, yeah like you never see stuff just from the original uh-huh. poster i don't think it's that insightful a point but i do think it's it, that is key to mention first because mm-hmm. again going back to the bo burnham special there's a bit of the twitch streamer right mm-hmm. and there's like the twitch stream he's like reacting to the reaction of the reaction you know like that that is a good point and it's annoying sometimes you you want to find something from the original source and i'm not talking about like a peer-reviewed study i mean that's its own uh, challenge trying <laughs> to find things but even sometimes you just want to find a song mm-hmm. it's like all i can find is people talking about this song mm-hmm. which is something else yeah curious I was thinking about payment. Mm-hmm. It's probably like an un, unpopular idea and it sounds kind of anti-consumer, but paying appropriate prices for things mm-hmm. is is a good way to value them as art. You wouldn't steal a car. Mm-hmm. So why do you steal a movie? And I'm not even talking about piracy, but streaming. Mm-hmm. When you think about streaming music versus having to buy it, it's that's a whole other thing in terms of how much you cherish the song mm-hmm. not to get a little bit taylor swift i think this is one of her soapboxes but a concurrent issue I, I don't know too much about this so i don't want to get into it but when people talk about the internet and technology and let's say just a economics the way things are going into and ai being into like a post-scarcity society mm-hmm. and where work is optional or you know work is largely undertaken by machines and such and art can thrive it's like, but we are not designing an economy when arts are profitable for the artists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's why STEM, it's like, if you want to make money, do that. And there is almost no other option. And I understand that this has been the case for most of society, for most of history. And I th- I'll talk about this a little bit later um, when it comes to entertainment. But for most of history, I, I feel like art was an escape from hard labor on the farm so that you could eat Mm -hmm. like so that you could survive the winter but now it's kind of a distraction it's an end in itself so like when i was younger and i'm sure this is the case for most people you had to buy songs and albums so it was like 99 cents for a song or 10 or 11 or 12 or something for an album depending on the length and so i probably had about 20 songs Mm -hmm. on my mp3 player which i just listened to over and over but now let's say on apple music or on spotify the the for you playlist like new music for you i'll listen to each song for about like five seconds mm-hmm. maximum 10 seconds before deciding that's not for me so i mean and it's obvious also with films like the way people used to cherish the idea of the cinema or the dvd and used yeah. to rewatch these things and used to get to know them. We've talked about this before, I think, in the storytelling semester. But just that access to it. And I had a question, I suppose, for next week, but mostly just for you and I. Should we cancel our streaming? Mm, we don't pay for any. I know we, we don't I know we all. don't pay for, I know we moved them all, but still. I was but, thinking about that a little bit. For the sake of our souls. Yeah. Because I like the idea of having a DVD collection. Me too. And and a music collection. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Maybe we'll discuss this off air. Why? 
Everything should be discussed on air. I feel like it's a boring conversation for people to listen to. I think so as well. I'd be on board. I think we could maybe figure out about renting movies or something like that. Well, what are the merits? Mm, you have to choose. Right. You can't just like watch a movie and be like, mm, I don't like it because you've paid for it. It's true. You have to learn to like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So you have to, I think it kind of grows your, your critical eye a little bit, like your mm-hmm. appreciating eye. So that even if something isn't great, watch it because you find a certain merit in looking at that kind of thing Mm -hmm. i think it would get us to go to the cinema more i agree and to even just go to different sections of the thrift store and like browse through the cds browse through the dvds Mm. because right now i always just go and look for blu-rays and if there's nothing on our like top tier blu-ray list i won't even look any further because our dvd collection is like six right now yeah and yeah, I think it's interesting. There's also something else I wanted to talk about with regards to like valuing art. I didn't really know how to squeeze it into the conversation, but I love how DVDs have behind-the-scenes features and kind of peripheral stuff like that, the making of. Mm-hmm. And streaming very rarely has this. I know there's sometimes things available on YouTube, but it, it just feels like it's less of a thing now. Mm-hmm. There was one last year that we watched accompanying the del toro pinocchio on netflix mm-hmm. right i think it was like a 40 minute behind the scenes feature on the animation of it and i thought that was great and we watched it and it just made you appreciate the movie even more because you could see all the love and effort that went into it yeah and similarly when we first moved into montreal and we didn't have wi-fi for like a week or so i watched the um wizard of oz with the commentary track Mm-hmm. which I would have never done otherwise, but it was because it was one of the few DVDs we had, I did so. Mm-hmm. And I was just learning a lot about like the old woman who played the witch. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I don't know. I like that kind of thing. I like this idea. We recently bought a radio. Right, the radio. Inspired by Solazine, of course. Yeah. And it's been, I've played it a few times. I'm looking at it right now. It's Fisher Price, of course, <laughs> because I wanted one that was like, it looked cool because a lot of radios you buy, they're kind yeah. of, they're very like early 2000s and I don't love how they look. But this one just looks like a toy. Like it's a kind of awesome. And I like this because all the radio channels are in French. We live in a French-speaking city. So it's kind of forcing me to be like, I live in Montreal. Because otherwise, your media consumption is completely just... Yeah, exactly. Well, how it grounds you, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, the music that you listen to, how did it change when you moved from Nova Scotia to Montreal? Which in essence is moving like across three different countries yeah <laughs> it didn't, it didn't at all, change yeah which it should mm-hmm. everything should yeah i think it's kind of cool and then also if we switch to dvds or cds it's like you have to you're kind of limited by what you can buy in the stores yeah that's true like i know you can always buy things online but right. it's less economical i find to buy things firsthand it kind of puts you at the mercy of the world around you which yeah. is at least in part a solo scene trait yeah, another Solacene idea I had for this question was at the moment when you consume media online, it's really similar to what you were saying. Consume. There's no trace of the artist. But when you even go towards, go to a museum, you see the the artist's signature and then a little write-up that they've put to accompany it. You have the extra features on a DVD. Perhaps you are going into a clothing store and they have a workshop set up. Like There's a mm-hmm. few of those around town that I love, like there's usually just the woman who's behind the counter is working on a piece that she's then going to sell in the store. But if you buy online, there's no trace of the people. So you're just consuming the products. You're not 
appreciating the fact that human time and effort went into this. Yeah. And this is, I feel like especially true with music and with, and with visual art in that often I feel like traditionally the way you would find out about an artist is either yeah on the radio, but also going to concerts being like, there's nothing happening. I'll just go to this concert. I don't know who it is. And you see the person, you hear them talking about their music and you see their band. And, yeah. but when you consume online, you don't think about the band existing. You don't think about even the person. You're just like, yeah, this is fine. Well, it's, yeah, it's fine <laughs> because, because your standards are warped. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we've talked about the devaluation of art in one way, but there's also the way in the straight up now, if your classmate plays the guitar and sings, yeah. you're probably not as impressed. Mm-hmm. Whereas before the before time, it was like, this person is a wizard mm-hmm. and everyone's going to worship at their feet because they can sing or because they can draw or because they can paint or because they can hold a camera steady. Because they're funny. Because they're funny. Yeah. yeah. I know you're trying to posit yourself as the stand-up comedian no, I'm now. Not. <laughs> oh, no, but it's true though, right? So, uh, or even like the guy on the street yeah. singing. I think that like we're so kind of desensitized to creative talent now. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just don't think that's that good because I feel no. like it makes people never impressed or rarely impressed. Yeah. And I feel like it does two things to our own creativity at the same time. Once it makes you feel like, oh, I can do anything because I see all these people on the internet doing everything. Yeah. But it also, once you get into it, you're like, well, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be Justin mm-hmm. Bieber. I'm never going to be whoever you're never aspiring be Bieber, for. I don't think. I don't think I'm ever going to be just I don't think he's Bieber. that talented. Anyway, but you know what I mean. Like um, I'm never going to be the expert because you're constantly seeing the, the absolute best in the whole world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, kind of a boring answer, but I just think proper community. Again, like more socialization, hanging out, going to the bowling club mm-hmm. or wherever it may be because then you're spending less time scrolling to find something to watch or to mm-hmm. listen. Like I, I was reading this article recently and it said something like it was making the case basically that people in 2023 just listen to too much music. Yeah. Like we just have headphones in too much and we just listen to too mm-hmm. much music. And I was finding it very hard to disagree with that. I was like, we kind of do. And part of this also, or, or what this also made me think about is the concept of the internet as a place and we view it too much as a replacement for places Mm. it should be just used as a tool obviously that's what people say but also um people will say about there's a movie online oh it's streaming Mm. where is it streaming as if that's a place Mm. as if netflix amazon prime to be youtube as if those are all different places that you can go to yeah you even say where can i find you yeah where can i find you for like someone's instagram handle physically making some kind of journey and navigating Mm. yeah Wow. It's a non-place. That's why I like that term. Yeah. It's a non-place. That's how we should think of it. But it just feels so real. Like, I don't know how to describe it besides that. Of When you're on the internet, you really feel like you are somewhere, like you are with people, like you're doing something productive. But I legit feel like nine times out of ten, if not more, you just come away from it feeling worse. Like every single time. And it's so hard to remember that. I don't know. It's addictive. Um, maybe we can talk about the addiction, like internet addiction, a bit more oh, next week. Addiction. I wrote about that for the zine, so I feel like, and I found a, a genuinely interesting article about it hmm. because it was hard to find anything about internet addiction. But the EU did a study and were brutally honest about how it impacts people's lives and stuff. Yeah, and I was really happy to have found that study because, really, other than that, there's nothing. But the only thing with studies, I mean, I'm going to sound like. 
I don't know what I'm going to sound like now, like anti-science or something, <laughs> anti-intellectual. But sometimes they're just so behind. Yeah, yeah. Like these things are just, they're so obvious sometimes. Mm. And I was reading this, it was like study claims that TikTok could shorten attention span. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it does. This is like, yeah. I don't need a study to tell me that TikTok is, is dreadful. Anyway, mm. also by the zine, everybody. <laughs> uh, handmade. Yeah, has art, has essays. They're, has they're nice cameos. And, and tactile. Yeah. And beautiful. Yeah, I've and been sustainable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a few more things on this question uh, about the Solacene Internet. One is that I feel like the Solacene Internet might just be a money free zone. Which means you can't buy things there, but also means you can't like consume things in the way. So you're saying, like, you remember how when you used to buy a CD, it would have a, a digital download yes. code, things like that. Like you'd have to buy the physical to then get the digital version. So the opposite of NFTs. Yeah. So that's what inspired it was how much I hate how the internet just kind of applies arbitrary value to stuff. Non-fungible. Yeah. So it's like there's, the NFTs, but it's also like you think about an Instagram sponsored post and it's just like, we'll pay you six hundred dollars for this. And it's like, I don't like all the value of everything is just kind of random. We have to think in the advertising, they've done the math and they think they're mm-hmm. going to get the ROI. But I agree. Yeah, it's not exactly a, an exact science. And then, yeah, the music, it's like, well, we'll pay the artist one cent per stream. And it's like, is that actually the value of it? I think they wish they were getting one cent per no, stream. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it's I just completely arbitrary yeah one time per stream would be excellent <laughs> but it's not that um so i think in the oscillating internet it will be a money-free zone perhaps you could order things like how you can order in a catalog but then you have to go to the Ooh, place to catalogs. like buy it maybe we can talk about catalogs next week even though it's okay. not in like that's a very anti-internet thing mm-hmm. also I, i'm always wary about solacene just sounding like a nostalgia trip yeah, the 80s or 90s or something we're talking about oh we have this cool handheld radio let's mm-hmm. talk about cattle so let's be wary of that but also yeah catalogs were kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah i also <laughs> okay i don't know this week i feel like has been though. one of the most yeah but we're not anti-capitalist we're just slower slower <laughs> capitalist i don't know what you would say but um what am i saying yeah this week was one of the most like solacene heavy experiences that it's almost hard to then come on and like talk about these things even making a podcast feels strange but i know this is basically the new radio and that i love radio Ooh, podcast is the new radio yeah um and then what else was i going to say on this question yeah internet obviously in the solo scene won't be the primary place that you consume art ideally it will just be like not where you consume art <laughs> i don't know how to describe it other than that but i think it's good in that like we grew up in a rural place otherwise we would have had no exposure to exactly like fine art for the most part unless it was through books but it was it has merits in that way and i also think in the solo scene there'll be really strict regulation on intellectual property and like parody laws will be a bit stricter Mm. because it's like you can like when people make videos say it's gonna be like an hour-long commentary on the dark night like you're allowed to just use footage from the film if you're providing commentary that's true and I feel like stuff like that a little bit, it would just be new rules. Like it's not enforcing the regulations because these are the regulations Like you're allowed to provide commentary. I think something a bit more strict in that so that you can't just like peripherally consume media. That's a good point, like, where you see things out of context. So yeah. Often. Like even that, that YouTube channel, like I don't anymore, but there used to be the channel um, 
pointing out the movie mistakes, everything mm -hmm. wrong with, right? Yeah. And they just go through the film essentially, mm -hmm. showing clips of it, but condense it into 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you're seeing the film from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, and I'm quite sure I've watched at least one of those for a film I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it's and just like, ask. you'd think the person who made that film, whose life's work it was, <laughs> like, is that really how they want the world to witness it? Mm. And I think parody is fine. And I think it's like, okay to talk about it. But there, I just think there needs to be slightly different regulations in the solo scene. How happy would you be if there was a solo scene parody? I wouldn't be very happy. I, I was thinking about happy. that last night, how torn apart i am at like every single criticism well we heard somebody but, yesterday we overheard someone saying like oh but have you heard of this podcast and then they were, they said something else but i think from for an instant we both were just like if they say so we'll soon now my life is complete yeah but i feel like that like if someone was parodying us yeah that's fair i feel like that would be cool like if snl yeah. did a bit well yeah yeah then you've made it it's true <laughs> um speaking of making it though the meme of the week is not really internet based it's kind of taking the meme definition quite literally as a bite-sized chunk of information transmitted culturally as like the societal um analog to genes mm -hmm. right biologically and it's kind of like physical memes mm -hmm. so the one that i was thinking about was i don't think i've seen this since elementary or middle school but about like you pretend like you're cracking an egg on someone's head mm -hmm. with your fists and then you kind of like run your hands down their hair and mm -hmm. face it sounds very strange just to describe it but another one i was thinking about was high five and then turkey yeah so you pull like a little fist with a thumb out and it looks like a turkey shape mm -hmm. or like fist bump squirrel and then squirrel or snail or yeah. something like that just these these physical comedic things which they're not original you've seen it a hundred times before but you still do it and through the repetition or through the I don't know, the sheer randomness of it, the surprise mm -hmm. of it, it's kind of funny. Or at least it's funny to me because that's, that's purely my sense of humor. Yeah, I have a funny story along these lines. Okay. So I taught a kid how to do like up high, down low, in the middle, too slow. Exactly. But then whenever I see him try and give someone a high five, he just goes <laughs> in the middle. And then I've, like adults are always just like, what? Like it doesn't make any sense because like that's not how you do it. But like I've seen a few times, yeah, an adult will be like, high five. And he goes... In the middle. <laughs> like Does he pull his hand away though? No. Oh, he just says that. And then I think he usually says like, you have to go too slow. But like, <laughs> he doesn't get it. It's just funny because as you're saying, yeah, it's a meme and it's funny how it mutates from kids and adults. Like, yeah, exactly. Because it doesn't have to be exactly as it's set. Like it's... Are there any others I'm forgetting? I like the word mutation, talking about it like mm -hmm. biologically and, and culturally, <laughs> the animal again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's lots. There's like those hand games that you'd play like... Yeah, but... Yeah. It needs to be kind of bite-sized and I think mm -hmm. comedic. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I'm, I, I was thinking mm -hmm. about those ones. Yeah, you go for the handshake and you go, like, oh, yeah, flick you your hair back with it or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> it's at the 50s and we that all have greasy funny. hair. It's true. But, anyway, but I was, I was looking, trying to find the, the origin of these things, specifically the egg crack. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. I could just mm -hmm. find like videos of elementary school kids doing it. And That's like, interesting. Yeah. Like, um, where does it come from? exactly just like memes or a lot of the memes like no mm -hmm. one, you know the origin of it is often murky these yeah. are i think decades old but still still persisting whereas i wonder if the drake mm -hmm. meme will i think it will but it's a fun well here's what i wrote <laughs> a fun physical intimacy that isn't just unthinking routine so like i was seeing a lot this week bros doing the like 
like that hug yeah i was trying to make a sound of it for the podcast <laughs> on the microphone you know the hug i'm talking about though yeah but it's like that is a code mm. it's a default they all do it all the time the bro hug and even the the secret handshake that you know individuals might have you do the same thing every time mm-hmm. and it's not universal whereas with the up high too slow squirrel snail turkey thing mm-hmm. egg cracking I don't know if that's exactly I think the egg cracking is in there yeah you can do it to everybody and it's I think also partly the the juvenile nature of it adds to the comedy like if you see like a 30 year old man cracking the egg on a co-worker mm-hmm. with their fists it's a bit yeah. uh there's that element of surprise oh but also what I like is that it, it kind of puts people in their skin yeah because let's say someone goes for the little fist bump that all the bros do and then you pull out the snail mm. immediately that's like they were doing this unthinkingly. Now they are thinking thinkingly yeah. with, their, with their skin, thinking mm-hmm. skin. Yeah, stealing a kid's nose. Being like, I got your nose. Stealing the nose. Yeah, that's similar. <laughs> yeah, <Something like> that. <laughs> exactly. And like, stop it on my nose. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't smell. Yeah, I've seen so many people, I kids, get upset about it, and I always feel bad because I mean, it'd be scary. You think someone. Stole yeah. your nose. Speaking of scary and stealing your nose, TikTok. <laughs> no scent there. Why don't we like TikTok? Let's let's go through the list. From the time TikTok was born, I just had a visceral... When it was rebranded or when it was... Well, musically, I never right. got on to either. But it just felt wrong from the <laughs> beginning. And I feel like a lot of people have this reaction. Because mm. it's not just us, the two anti-internet kids. It was like True. a lot of people were like, it just doesn't seem right. Because of from the absolute beginning, the stuff that was on there and went popular wasn't just like, oh, look at this aesthetic video of my life. It would be like a kid wearing like boxers and like a cowboy hat and like slapping a chicken. Like that was what was funny or whatever. It would just be something so random, but also just like... Right morally grotesque actually something you just mentioned that talking about the origin when you think about facebook the mm-hmm. storied beginnings of facebook yeah originating for on campus right mm-hmm. so people aged let's say 18 to 25 musically slash tiktok originating a, a younger demographic right mm. so there is a difference between let's say like linkedin Starting yeah. out as one thing and then maybe gradually, this hasn't really happened, but let's say it might, like gradually becoming a wider used thing. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference, the original intents or something that was basically for children or mm-hmm. at least adolescent people yeah, taking more point. people in because there's a, there's a certain immaturity to it, which I think is basically what, what you're getting at yeah, there. Yeah. That uh, now we see just everybody watching and laughing at, which mm-hmm. is slightly worrying. Yeah. Also, that it's just so quickly became the sole channel through which people got their news, got their politics, got their recipes. Like, everything is through TikTok. And even... You think? What about Twitter? I don't... I feel like the rest of them have become secondary for most people. Mm. Anecdotal experience of just like... Even the other day, I made cinnamon rolls for a friend and she said, oh, did you find this recipe on TikTok? I saw it on TikTok. And I was like, no, it's from... It's just from like a recipe. (laughs) Okay, before we get into the content of it, like you would, you kind of touched on it there. I had, mm-hmm. I thought we could talk about the the form of it because I feel like that's what differentiates it for me immediately. Mm. So the notes I had on that, the first one is that it is utterly dimensionless, placeless, 
the ultimate non-place because it has mm-hmm. barely any UI. I mean, I know you can go to people's user pages and you can search, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about how people use it, which is just the for you page. Yeah, like you don't even really follow people the way that you would on Generally most other not. socials. Like it's just, you are entirely, it's built fully built for phones. It occupies the entire screen on the video. So mm. it's probably the, the first social media that I think maximizes the phone form because mm. the Instagram, you know, the images were square or YouTube, obviously they're usually in landscape. So this is a, this is a key difference. And similarly to this, like on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever, which I don't, none of which I think are good as we've talked about before, there is a sense of you can easily back out of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like on TikTok, the way out that people are conditioned into uh, navigating it is through. Like the way out is through. Mm-hmm. So I don't like this video. I'll go to the next. Mm-hmm. They don't hit the back or hit some other button. I think it's just we'll yeah. swipe down to the next one. Or similarly, like the way, the real way out is only to close the app. Like that's what people do. Yeah. Whereas sometimes on Twitter, it's like, oh, this is boring. You go to the home page, or you go to mm-hmm. something else, or you go to your profile or anything. Your profile. Yeah. Whereas on TikTok, it's like you're in or you're out. I think that's yeah. That's why, and a lot of people mm. are in for a long time. Yeah, it really took me a long time to understand the for you page experience because people were like, "Oh, you," I saw it on my for you, and I was like, because social media has always had this like recommended people to follow sort of thing. But I didn't understand that it was just like, this is what the app is, is people you don't, you haven't chosen them to be here. The algorithm has chosen them for you. And usually it's stuff you like and you just keep going. Whereas with Instagram, especially in the early days, I remember it would run out. Like you're saying TikTok is infinite, Hmm. but you would, you'd follow your hundred friends or whatever. But then if no one posted that day, there would just be no new posts. But now Instagram has taken cues from tiktok in that it will just recommend posts even on your main page and whether yeah we're talking tiktok but it also means yeah ig reels youtube shorts like it's the same all those copycats as well yeah tiktok just seems especially malicious of course it's i mean it's 100 percent the algorithm you Mm -hmm. make no decisions yeah like if you if you actually pitched it to someone you'd say it's like youtube Mm -hmm. except you don't choose the videos you watch Mm -hmm. you don't really search for them it's that the right hand side of the youtube page the up next as decided by the algorithm they play automatically. There's no loading between videos, mm-hmm. no ads. It just next, next, next. And so it it large, it kind of feels like one long video, one mm-hmm. long stream of it. It's very like it does it sounds bad even when you're describing it. Mm-hmm. And it, it is bad. Also, like these these notes aren't in order of importance, but a small thing, I guess. I feel like it's bad for music. It, yeah. it generates bad music because people mm-hmm. now I mean, I know like pop, it's always about a hook, but this is like micro specific. We're trying to get a sound trending. Oh, like I think I just cringed like from my soul. I remember early TikTok, Drakery came out with a new. Drake, yeah. <laughs> I feel like not everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, say, that's a really Drakery. niche joke. Like, oh, who's that? Okay, Drake. Um, <laughs> he came out with whatever song it was during the pandemic. And I remember he was like, Just it was so. Yeah, yeah. So specific of wanting to make a dance. Yeah. Because TikTok, I feel like, is coming away from the dances a little bit. Mm. But it was so dance-oriented. It was like, you're delivering information and you're dancing. And it, yeah, it was just the most cringy thing. I'm like, you're just a 40-year-old man it's true. Drake dancing. Is old. And it's not right. And I feel like so many artists now, they try and get this little sound bite, but also accompanied with like yeah. a visual something. Well, not just, sound, not, just art, not just music, but 
Think about podcasts. Yeah. Because we are we on TikTok still? No. Well, so has seen we were at least briefly on TikTok. We had TikTok. Definitely on IG Reels. Yeah, I'm okay. We might go back. Well, it's in <laughs> it's in flux right now. Yeah. But we we recognize that it's not a very TikTok friendly thing because we um <laughs> we we speak in full sentences or at least attempt to. And yeah. also we don't shout and I guess we don't wear very bright colors. Maybe yeah. we will though. Yeah, do you okay, I have a few things. So basically it is to music and also video. It's like mm-hmm. video stuff is something like what tweets are to literature. Yeah. I.e. just kind of gross, infantile perversions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so yeah. serious about it. I mean, okay, here's a few things. I listen to the Basement Yard podcast and once in a while they will You'll hear them say on, because they don't really edit the way that we edit, and they'll say, oh, we need to like restate that for for TikTok. Yeah. And then they'll kind of like have a conversation, and then they'll sum it up in like a TLDR, too long, don't read. Yes. Um, yeah, look at me go. <laughs> um, statement at the end, be like, so what did you just say? And then they'll like, yeah, do it just for the soundbite. But going okay. back to TikTok and the algorithm. <laughs> Because I was thinking, someone might say, well, why is it bad? The algorithm knows what you like. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's my most concise way of saying why it's bad. <laughs> it's because usually, and in this case, the healthy decisions are the ones that are conscious and sometimes difficult. Let's talk about food. Mm-hmm. Like if food was just delivered to you, cooked in front of you, you didn't cook it, you didn't buy it, you didn't choose it, um, but it was based on what you like, what kind of food is going to be there? <laughs> Not very healthy food. Because let's be honest, no one likes vegetables. Yeah. No one likes vegetables. But we eat them because we're grown-ups and it's like, these are good for me. I'm not going to just have donuts all day. Yeah. Even though the algorithm would say, wow, they really like donuts. Let's give them donuts. Mm. So it's like that, but with your soul instead of your body. Yeah. And your mind especially. That's a great analogy. I, I like that. Yeah. Good job, Aaron. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I, people might be rolling their eyes at this. I know it's not insightful. Like, I know it's an obvious thing. But then... Why do we do it? Why do we do it to ourselves, man? Why do we do it? Also, about the idea of the music and the hooks and the drapery and the dances, there is the trending sounds, the the blur of videos. Mm. I feel like when I used to... I mean, I, I didn't really have TikTok, but when I've... YouTube shorts, I've watched those, let's say, for like half an hour at a time sometimes. Maybe not that long. But like I've, I've been on these platforms. Mm-hmm. It plays in your mind when you're away from the screen after. Let's yeah. say like the most obvious example is, or the most relatable, when you're laying down for bed and you can't get your mind to calm down because it's like, well, why would you be able to? Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of mindfulness. It's, it lingers. Yeah. yeah, there's so many things. It also just becomes, you can't speak properly like it's almost like the sounds from tiktok are the easier because the the neural pathways are more lubricated because those are what you've seen over and over again it's easier to just like use a sound bite to communicate with someone than to think about it <laughs> and it's like this is a legit thing that happens in kids um who have communication issues like there's like a whole spectrum of things that kids like deal with it could just be like a speech impediment but there's other communication things that kids have and they'll speak in it's called coding in like cartoon lines which is like it can be very useful if a kid otherwise has no way of communicating but i feel like to an extent i mean this is i am not a child psychologist or a psychologist (laughs) but to an extent it's like we're kind of doing this to ourselves and like lowering our ability 
to lowering our communication skills to just kind of these funny, but also just like they're kind of useful in our brains because they're the easiest way of getting a point across. But I don't think that's especially great. No, of course not. Yeah. And I feel like not. The other other thing with regards to being kids, there's another thing bad about TikTok. Most of the people who use it, their brains aren't finished developing. Yeah. It's like you throw this nuclear bomb into people's minds Mm. when they're adults and they're willing. It's like, you know, they volunteered. Mm-hmm. It, we don't want it to happen. I'd rather they stop, but they chose it. Yeah. The gross thing is that children, you can't really call them responsible for, it, you know, just eating all the donuts that are, in pl- that are in front of them. Yeah. It's kind of the grown-ups' jobs, not talking specifically about the parents, all of the grown-ups' jobs, but also the parents, to make sure they have some vegetables. Mm. Maybe that got a little bit muddy, but... No, that's a good point, because even <clears throat> in, like... When nutritionists talk about feeding kids, they say you should put a plate of like cheese, vegetables, and like a cookie all in front of them at once so that they can see it all and like still make a choice. But they also like if they're hungry, they will go for the the carrots after they've eaten the cookie sort of thing and they'll kind of get used to it being there. But because the only thing we're putting in front of kids is yeah, a plate of all cookies it's like even if they're hungry like they don't know what to go to after the tiktok because i feel like a lot of young people they like they know that it's an empty feeling they have when they're done scrolling for like a few hours young people on like pills or on medication and people might say oh you know the world today it's like Mm -hmm. yeah and it annoys me because there's so many people who would wait for studies Mm-hmm. Like again, I like to sound anti-science or anti-intellectual. I'm pro-science. I just think it's slow sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like TikTok is young, yeah. So, so you don't see the like. We genuinely, it hasn't been proven that children who watch TikTok for six hours a day when they were 15 are like this when they're 25. Yeah. But like, it's obvious. Mm. It's common sense when you just read it out. It's like, well, why would that not happen? Why would yeah. that not be bad for them? Yeah. So something else, <laughs> attention span. Like again, that's kind of a trite comment to make, but I was thinking. Mm. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but about how movie trailers now will have a tiny TikTok trailer before them. Yeah. Like talking about like a five second preview of the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is ridiculous. And then getting into the content, the actual things in the videos. <laughs> I mean, just talking about the more sordid sides, like I feel like there is, this sounds wild, but there's, it's kind of a low level hypnosis that takes place. It's this low level hypnosis Especially, like, I think about kid videos, and this is not unique to TikTok. It's also on YouTube as well. The videos where it's just, like, really, really bright co- bright colors, and you look at the mm. thumbnails, and you say, there's something wrong with this. Like, children shouldn't be watching this. Or it's, like, slime being cut uh, with a close microphone, ultra satisfying. And it's like, why is there a seven-year-old watching this? And the video will be, like, 12 minutes long. Yeah. Obviously not on TikTok, but... It makes me just, like angry from the pit of my stomach it feels wrong right like there's something there's something viscerally you react against it because it's like this isn't this isn't right yeah it's just gotten so much like so quickly like when we were kids we watched way too much tv yeah too much tv but now it's not even like it's just by the second becoming worse and worse and worse for the kids and it's, it just is barely and so sad. targeted and nonsensical and just like i hate the term but to scratch certain parts of the brain it literally does. Yeah. Like, they're just calculated. I've listened to podcasts about, like, those content houses before. And What's that? We'll talk about this next week. Content houses. What are content houses or content farms? But 
I wish I remembered exactly where I listened to this podcast. But anyway, I'll try and summarize it. It was this person explaining how they they were part of a content house, in air quotes, where this guy who used to be a, not a scam artist, someone who did illusions, like he was a magician. Yes. So he hired a bunch of like influencers and they would just do stuff like the one, the ex- example they were giving, they're like, so you would like pour a liter of milk into the toilet and like add bubbles and then flush it. Oh. Just like disgusting stuff like that. But it wasn't even just like trying a bunch of stuff, like throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like this guy who was the illusionist also studied human brains of like, yeah. yeah. Mean, it's obvious though. I know, but it's not obvious to, if you're in it. Yeah. And you're a child. He's <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this is so fun to watch. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, not a fan. I think content house is an interesting topic because there's, there's ones for kids, but there's ones for all ages. Like infamously David Dobrik and all his friends when we were um, teens they did that well i was gonna say we could talk next week about the youtube equivalent with like the disney remember elsa elsa gate or something like that oh yeah yeah there was something on, but it it even just feels too depressing to talk about yeah maybe but we'll try and spin it spin it in the soul scene way. way i don't even know how to but this is i mean we're just talking about the kids stuff but let alone when you talk about the older stuff and like the the rapidity of the content like mm-hmm. in the main and just the overwhelming sexuality of it also and even just the way people talk like Mm. the way people talk when they're narrating those tiktok videos or like a mini vlog or when they're talking about like even like the deep ones when they're talking about politics Mm. there's something so affected about it you know what i'm talking about you can can hear it now just when i mention it oh my goodness i literally saw a because i mean i know you know it because (laughs) if you wanted to promote the podcast you would have to speak like that yeah i'm trying to find a way around it yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i saw a literal congressman it's like sir you sit in the highest seat of authority in the u.s government and he's just like shouting at the camera and smiling really big and being like i'm gonna take these guys down and i'm like you are you are an adult maybe we could talk about maybe (laughs) maybe a better way of spinning this is like well not better but like how the internet affects charisma, how it affects people's mannerisms when they're mm. filming themselves and sharing it online, something yeah, like that. I think that's an interesting question. I, I think also, like, sometimes it feels very complainy to, like, have these conversations, but also not everybody either is has an awareness. I feel like a lot of people who listen to this has an awareness of these things, but it's also interesting to hear other people articulate it so that you can then go on to articulate it to other people. Mm. I've been listening to a podcast called Maintenance Phase, which you once sent me because you really liked the the cover of it it's an apple and a pear and it's like blue and pink and it looks really cool but i never listened to it but then i started listening to it um it's not like i'm not a health nut but it's about debunking health claims like debunking apple cider vinegar debunking um dr oz stuff like that and it's just very do they talk about g-bombs they haven't got to g-bombs well i'm going back because they have like 60 episodes and i haven't listened to them all but Basically, they always say, they're like, obviously, you all know this. Like, you're not out here watching Dr. Oz. But having this podcast as, like, a reference for people who maybe are sold by everything that Dr. Oz sells or whatever it is. Like, this is a good place to refer people. And I try and remind myself of that on this podcast of, like, I feel like people listening probably know this. But it is well, also, like, a reference. <laughs> people listen to things they agree with generally. So yeah. People who listen to Solocene probably aren't, like, TikTok fiends. Yeah. <laughs> they probably aren't offended when we talk about the negativity of like the slime videos for kids. Yeah, they're not like, I 
love those slime videos. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not anyway. What we say is go make slime in your kitchen. I um, make Play-Doh sometimes. It's next, fun. The final question <laughs> for today is to create a Soocene meme. Kind of a fun one. I think we haven't done too much like designing of the Soocene so far in this semester because there's just so much to criticize. <laughs> and even the questions we come up with for next week are quite negative. So over the week, though, we'll, uh, we'll spin it something more positive. So I was thinking like some tenets, like some things that came to mind for the Soocene meme is not from pop culture. So not referencing something. In, mm-hmm. That was mine anyway. Not from an ad. Um, obviously beautiful, sustainable tactile. And um, the thing that came to mind for me was two things. Goblin mode. Goblin mode, okay. Remember this? Sort of. This was going to be the meme of the week this week, but I changed it. Goblin mode was this idea about like, oh, I'm going in goblin mode, which basically means being ugly and pandemic-y with sweatpants and a hoodie and staying inside all day, watching, you know, Netflixing and eating Cheetos. Like and hermit mode. Hermit mode, yeah. But yeah, it's called okay. goblin mode. Okay. So I was thinking about some kind of inverse of that. So a meme, because that's a meme, but like a behavior which is more positive. Mm-hmm. And something else that you mentioned this week is apparently all the teenagers that you see <laughs> running around and singing and making sound effects <laughs> and jumping <laughs> as if they are Mario in a platformer, which I have never seen either virtually or in real life, but it sounds it sounds funny. And I was like, this sounds like something... <laughs> children should be doing it sounds like the kind of thing i was doing as a child and the only change i would make for that to be more so seen is perhaps not referencing a big international corporation you mm-hmm. know what i mean like i love the playfulness of it and the activity of it but uh the fact that it's still kind of all about consuming because you know, mm-hmm. obviously the mario movie came out and that's probably why it's in vogue i don't know that's the only slight negative so i was trying to think of something something along these lines and the best I could come up with, which I know is, is like not very good, I was feeling weirdly uncreative about this, mm. is um, what if there was a better response to how are you? Okay. Or how's it going? Because I think that's, I don't know if that counts as a meme, like that, that's just communication. But that's yeah. such a common question. And again, it's not an insightful observation to point out that it's usually so vapid a response and so mm. default a good, how are you? <laughs> You know, like, how yeah. are you going? Oh, good. How are you? Like, it's always just the mm-hmm. exact same thing um, or else it's rude or you also like, I don't think it should be this big overshare about, well, actually, I'm not feeling so good. To, like, yeah. I, I don't actually think that honesty is good. Like, I'm not saying that it's bad that this is entirely ritual, mm-hmm. um, but a solo scene meme kind of kind of comedic, but also just beautiful, sustainable tactile response, I thought could be something along the lines of enjoying life and trying to make things better yeah like something a bit i like that just something so earnest and so positive yeah i mean like loving life and trying to change the world yeah like and it's it is funny but you're not laughing Mm -hmm. at them like sometimes things can just be so kind of positive and earnest that they're funny but not even in an ironic way like sometimes i think um what's the animated movie trolls Remember where it's like every joke was like one of them is really bubbly and sunshiny and that mm-hmm. was kind of the joke. Yeah. I'm not like laughing at it like that, but just like. Yeah. So no one laughs. You just kind of do a smile because if someone said someone that happy. to you, you would yeah. smile, right? Yeah. I like this idea of kind of saying good, but then expanding, but because you don't have to overshare. You don't feel exactly. like I'm fine. 
my mom is in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you don't have to do that because it's like that's not really what this interaction is for. But you could be like, good, saw a flower on the way here. Exactly. That kind of thing. Good. Just passed a dog. Like I like this <laughs> sprinkling in just like a fun fact. And it would kind of be like when you have a mindfulness or like a thankfulness journal. Yeah, that's my meme of the week. Not the, not the best. My meme was inspired by going to the museum two days ago and seeing people drawing, like sitting and drawing based on the artworks. Mm-hmm. And I said the Solacene meme would be, it could be digital, but it's like input, output, and it's you take a picture of something that's inspired you and then the output is what you've created. And I think, I was like, it has room to be funny because sometimes it's slightly self-deprecating of like, this is what inspired me and this is like the kind of garbage drawing that I did. So it's like slightly funny, but it's also just like inspiring people to create. And I feel like all creation, no matter if it's something beautiful or something just kind of like thrown together, it's still at least an act of something physical. Mm -hmm. And it would also inspire people to look around and be like, well, what's the input? Um, Because sometimes we just like sit down to create art without thinking about what we're trying to channel. And I like, that's fine because you've like internalized everything around you and like you can just channel that like on. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a really conscious inspiration. But I think it's it's an interesting meme format in that it would be like, yeah, you're sitting in the park. You just like take a picture of the park in front of you. Yes. And then the even like what the output could be could just be like you meditating or the output could be you having a nice time with your friends. Like I think it doesn't need to be necessarily always captured in pictures but it could even just be like a mental meme of like i like it it's a funny exercise yeah i like it i think everybody likes caricatures mm-hmm. like everybody always finds those funny that's one of our goals i suppose as a couple mm-hmm. one of our like bucket list things is to be drawn yeah but we i think we both agree that we need to take a few more years to feel more confident otherwise mm-hmm. it could like shatter you yeah i think so like, oh man he pointed out my nose yeah or my teeth or something like that but even so we have done like somewhat funny portraits of each other Mm -hmm. and it's like obviously we don't think we're as ugly as the drawing looks Mm -hmm. but the that's the contrast it's hilarious yeah i don't blame you for like drawing me poorly because you're not a portrait artist yeah or doing it with the left hand i think we used to do something like that still an interesting activity (laughs) and yeah i just also felt very inspired by seeing all these they were they weren't kids they were like teenagers but sitting in the museum drawing i was like this is because I doubt they're all art students. They're always like in their art class, whatever yes. they were brought there. But it's just like nice to see people creating stuff. Because I feel like in your day to day in school, like you're not creating for the most part. And especially so now whatever you're creating would be digital, like typing a essay or doing a quiz online. Whereas it used to be like you'd write your essay or you'd write your quiz and you'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not going to frame this. But at least it's something but my mom can put on the fridge. you did feel proud of it, right? Yeah. Like sometimes in class you did feel proud of and I think it's because, of, like, this sounds ridiculous. I think it's because of the pain. Yeah. Like, if anyone's ever had to write two essays in 45 minutes, as my, like, high school, my AP English class was, mm. it was, like, genuinely a, a physical experience. And that makes me sound very, like... No, like, your fingers know, would bleed. My fingers wouldn't bleed. My, but my wrist would, would hurt a bleed. lot. And I think this might be one because I squeeze the pencil, like, my life depends on it. And it's still a, a trait that I have. And two, because I would write so... I would press so hard. Mm. But I was trying to make my mark. And you know what? Yeah. My writing, um, it will make its mark. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.